Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Book Leads Impactful Books for Life and Leadership. I'm your series host and leadership performance coach, John Jeremillo. This podcast series is about getting to the books that have impacted the lives of people in my network, colleagues, friends, leaders that I've seen doing great work. So these are great leads that I'll be interviewing to get to those books. I want to know which books it, uh, they are that have made an impact on them, made a lasting impression on them, that have impacted their lives, their relationships, their work, their businesses, whatever it may be. I want to know which one it is that's kind of provided that value for them. And in this series, I cover three categories of books. The first category is a book that I haven't read that they're sharing with me, schooling me on. A second category where we've both read the same book, whether for the episode specifically or we read it previously in our past lives. And then the third category where I interview authors and or publishers about books that they're getting out there into the market and they want to share the value of what that book is. This particular episode will be a combination of those last two where it is an author I'll be interviewing and it is a book that I have read. I did have time to read Lisa's book. Uh, so my guest for this episode will be Lisa Hammett. And Lisa is the international bestselling author of From Burnout to Best Life, How to Take Charge of Your Happiness, Health and Happiness. She's a TEDx speaker and a success coach who helps stressed and burnt out business owners and executives develop mental fitness to manage stress and get healthy. After 26 years in the corporate retail sector, she reached burnout. Upon leaving the industry, she lost 65 pounds and became a wellness coach for one of the largest global weight loss companies in the world. Uh, for, the last, uh, for the past 11 years, she has helped thousands of members develop sustainable, healthy habits to lose weight and get healthy. In May of 2020, she started her success coaching practice, incorporating life coaching. She's also currently working on her positive intelligence certificate uh, or certification. And I was introduced to Lisa through Edie Clark, a video producer and YouTube strategist. What I like about this whole uh, podcast series, LinkedIn networking, this virtual world is just people that you meet. They see what you're doing and they reach out. Um, Edie took a chance and she said, John, I see what you're doing. Uh, and I think I have some great people for you to talk to, authors that I think are putting out some great material and books. So if you'd like me to make the introduction. And so I, I obliged. I, I thanked Edie for doing that. And uh, Lisa and I set up a, t a call and, and we spoke about her book and what she was trying to achieve. So she, here she is. Lisa, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. And thank you, no. Edie. <laughs> yeah, no, really. It's amazing. It's amazing when somebody sees what you're doing and then takes a chance I just, it, it's amazing because when you and I touch base, I've seen Edie around too on some virtual events. It just seems like you've known this person for a while. So I, I, the universe that is LinkedIn and, and who comes across <laughs> your path, I don't, I don't take it for granted. I'm, I'm very appreciative of it. Agreed. Agreed. So, so Lisa, who are you today? Can you provide a little more of what the work is that you're doing with your clients uh, and the work that you do today? So I focus on stress management uh, to prevent or move past burnout. As you had mentioned in that wonderful introduction, thank you. Um, I personally reached burnout in 2005. And for anybody who has ever experienced that, it's, it's very debilitating. Um, in my case, I, you know, I was overweight. I was suffering from chronic migraines. I had other health issues. My marriage was strained. It was just a very toxic, awful situation. And I'm so passionate about helping people to prevent them from getting to that point. Because what I know now, had I known it back then, I could have probably prevented the burnout from occurring. I would not have you know, changed my narrative, so to speak, as far as exiting my career, but I would have been more thoughtful mm. as far as how I did it, because I was in such a desperate situation that I just quit a long-term career at a high paying salary and it caused significant financial hardship. And often when we get to that pain point where it's, you just cannot tolerate another day in that existing situation, we make a drastic decision like exiting a long-term career or getting divorced or, you know, making a huge financial decision. And I'm not saying those things shouldn't happen, but they should be thoughtfully, you know, yeah, you should really think about them before you just decide, okay, <laughs> I'm just going to do this. So 
kind of going back to where I am right now is I help, you know, those executives and business business owners, really who I used to be in that environment and educate them on ways that they can manage their stress so they don't get to that point. Yeah. I mean, like so many things that are like self-care, self-development, it helps to have the tools when you get to that point, but it's a little better if you can study them before you get to that point so that, you know, it's more muscle memory because you've read up on it, you've practiced it, you've incorporated it into your life before you get to that stress out, before the burnout. Mm-hmm. But as as soon as you start feeling that stress, you've already had those tools. So that's why I enjoyed reading your book, just because it gives people, you know, it's not like a heavy lift. And we'll get into the book in a couple of minutes, but it's not like a heavy lift because it's everyday practices. Mm-hmm. You know, they they just need, honestly, your your book. You have sections in there with questions and notes, uh, lines for note taking and, and a pencil. That's all they need to kind of understand themselves. So it's it's amazing to 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 see the power of just being prepared beforehand and not saying, OK, I have this book. And if I start stressing out, I'll, I'll look at it then. But instead, reading it now to lay the groundwork for that almost muscle memory of mm-hmm. exercises of how to treat yourself. Absolutely. And as you said, they're practical tips and, you know, it's not rocket science. And sometimes the most simplistic things, I'm not saying they're always easy to do, but the most simplistic things can have the most dramatic impact. And hopefully if somebody does pick up this book and reads it, they're not going to resonate with every single aspect of the book. I mean, they might, but it will identify pain points in their life that they can address. And hopefully just by implementing a couple of those things, they can really start to see a shift in their life. So what does that look like in your work, Lisa? What is, what does it look like? Is it um, whether it's coaching, whether it's seminars, whether it's workshops, what are some of the services and, and or products, if you want to consider your services or packages, what does that look like for your clients? So I have clients that come to me who are, you know, really burnt out and stressed and they've lost the ability to dream and actually see a Mm. vision for the future. They just feel like they're stuck oftentimes, and I hate this term, but they say, I'm biding my time until retirement. And that just drives me crazy because no one should do that. I'm not saying you should just exit a job where you only have a year left of retirement, but there are certainly things that you can do. And that's what drives me crazy. So I do one-to-one coaching and oftentimes, you know, they're they're at that point where, oh my gosh, we have to focus on stress. But with my health and wellness background, you know, weight gain is often a byproduct mm-hmm. of that. So we do a lot of focus on the health and wellness pieces of which, you know, are covered in the book as well. I also, uh, because I do focus on mental fitness, I have the capability to enroll my clients in a six-week mental fitness program. And that is very exciting and eye-opening because it really helps the client understand how their negative thought patterns impact their behavior and how they can quiet those negative emotions so they can then shift to a more positive mindset so they can start to implement, you know, the changes that they need to make in their life. Um, That six-week enrollment program could include a group coaching if they want to be in a group pod with other people. So it's one-to-one in group. And then I do speaking engagements. I'm a motivational speaker speaker as well. And I was at the University of Alabama um, last October doing a talk on work-life balance Mm -hmm. and gave you know, a, a seminar on work-life balance. So, and then I do a training programs for organizations who maybe want me to come in and educate their staff on, you know, uh, stress management practices. And I had one actually Marriott global actually, um, had me do a, a speaking engagement, a virtual speaking engagement several weeks ago, uh, on goal setting. And it was, I, I spun it as how to develop a winner's mindset, meaning 
you know, how do Olympians, how do professional athletes, how do executives who are very successful or people who build very successful um, businesses, how do they do it? How do they stay focused? So that's what the topic was. So yeah, that's what's what's the gist of that? What's the gist of that? Yeah, it's- I don't want you to give away your talk, but like what what <laughs> what in a few words, if you could give us a hint of what it is you believe sets sets those high performer executives, athletes apart from everybody else, what is it? Mindset. Okay. Bottom line. It's mindset. They have a vision of what it's like to win an Olympic gold medal or to nail that play so that they can win, you know, the trophy for the Super Bowl or, Mm. you know, what, whatever it is, they have a clear vision of what it's going to look and feel like when they get there. Now, when they first start to create that vision, they may not know all the steps necessary to get there. That is something that will they will develop along the way, but they believe that it's possible. And the sad thing is the majority of individuals don't have that solid belief that it's possible. They're like, well, I'm going to try. Well, trying is failing yeah. with honor. <laughs> I like that. Trying is failing with honor. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Yeah, it is. Um, just because I've seen that, I've seen it, I've read about it, I, I've seen it in play, like just, you know, amongst friends where like I'm in, in an accountability group now for like fitness, uh, fitness goals for the year. And um, they think I'm nuts just because I'm on the bike all the time. I'm, I'm not breaking my diet, like I'm eating clean food, like, and um one of them was like, what is it? What is it? What is it that puts you in that mindset? And I'm like, you know, for me, it was my doctor said, your numbers are high. I don't want them there. And I asked them, well, how long do I have? And they're like, whoa, 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 it's not that bad. I'm like, no, how long do I have to turn it around before? I don't want to go on medication at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I want it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want it that bad. Um, I have my family. I have my responsibilities. Um, those are muscle memory. I know how to, you know, love my family. I know how to work for my family. I know how to provide for my family as best as I can. So my, my main focus every day is jumping on that bike and sweating for a good 50 minutes, mm-hmm. you know what I'm, and, and reaching a certain number of crunches a day or a week or a certain number of calories a week. It's just, and I don't have obviously that obsession that Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, like all these Serena Williams, all these athletes have to have to get to that level of performance. But in this new adventure of mine, I can appreciate that because it's like there is no there's no there's no other option. Mm-hmm. Like I want to get to a certain point. This is what it takes. I was speaking to one of my guests a few weeks ago, Katie Wood, and she was like, you know, you have to pick your heart. Do you want to pick your heart now? Or do you want to pick it or you do you want to do you want to pick it now and control it as best you can or live with it outside of your control later? And that's what mine is, my health, getting on that bike versus dealing with medication and God knows what else when it's a ripple effect of just more and more medication. So I love that you you mentioned that mindset because it's just it's amazing what what can happen when you really do put yourself in that mindset of this is what I need to get. This is my why. Like. It's almost an obsession, hopefully a healthy obsession, but Mm -hmm. almost an obsession. Well, and you hit the nail on the head when you said your why. And so many people, they're like, oh, well, I want to get healthy. Okay, that's great. But why do you want to get healthy? Well, um, I want to be able to travel when I'm older. Okay, it's a good start. So why do you want to travel when you're older? Well, I want to see things that I've never seen before. And, you know, and you start drilling down and then it gets to the point of maybe they have a philanthropic work that they want to do. They want to help underprivileged kids in China. I don't, I don't know. But, yeah, whatever it is. Each you know, person has their own. Yeah. Exactly. But unfortunately, a lot of people don't take the time to do that deep dive and really get to that why. And in your case, it's your family. You don't want to be on medication and you want to be around for your family and Mm -hmm. enjoy your life. And when you have that really strong 
why it will motivate you even when there are some days that you're like oh i really am not feeling it but you know what i'm going to do it anyways because i need to do it yeah absolutely so i appreciate you bringing that up i think mindset plays into this so much um and again mostly preparing that mindset not waiting till it's too late uh Lisa, so when it comes to who you are, what was it that before you got on this journey of being a success coach, writing this book, how did your how did your career start? What was it for you? Was it family that put you on a certain path? Was it education? Was it serendipity? What was it that that got you, you know, whether it was college? Um, what was it that put you on your path uh, at the beginning? Oh, gosh, this is a really great question. So kind of my trajectory is from college, I went into the corporate retail sector. I did not plan that at all. <laughs> What'd you go to college for? Um, I went for business with an emphasis in marketing. And I thought when I would graduate, oh, I would have, you know, like J&J or Procter & Gamble. <laughs> or, you know, I go to work for them in their marketing department. It was going to be yeah. phenomenal. And well, they wouldn't have anything to do with me. So I ended up going into retail and, you know, it's kind of a love-hate relationship when you're in the retail mm. sector. It's very fast and it's exciting and I promoted quickly and I was a buyer for a period of time. So I traveled to New York frequently and I was younger and in my 20s then. So, you know, working all the time was not a big deal. And then it was kind of fun to see Broadway shows and everything and but then as you move along in life and you just don't have that burning need to travel every four weeks and to just be working all the time, especially if you do meet somebody and you have a family, um, it, it's, it really gets tiring after a while. And it's exhausting working almost every weekend, working 12 to 14 hour days, you know, you can't have the same schedule that a lot of, of your friends and family members have. Mm -hmm. So it's it's really frustrating. And when I moved into the corporate part of it, it's so stressful. And it's so indicative of the seasons and the economy. And it's just so stressful. And you're constantly redoing um plans and looking at business. It's like analysis paralysis. And it's just, it's never good enough. And it just, it will literally suck the life out of you. And, and that's what happened. So when I left, um, I started a journey in direct selling. And I had always kind of aspired to have my own business, but I really didn't have that vision yet to really determine what it was that I wanted to do. But I wanted to do something and direct selling is a great way to do that because it's it's like you have your business, but you work for a parent company. Mm -hmm. So there's not as much of an investment and it's a great way to really build some great skills, self-development. I did a lot of coaching um, and it was, it really it created a love for coaching for me. One great trips. Um, so it was a, it was a good ride, but then COVID happened and the direct selling company that I was working for at the time closed its doors. It was difficult to sustain, you know, when you couldn't be in front yeah, of people. Yeah. And, you know, my husband had been telling me for years, it's like, you're doing this health and wellness coaching. Why don't you just start your own practice? Just do it. And, you know, I believe in divine intervention. Hmm. And I had people coming to me from all areas of my life, some from retail, some from, you know, members that I had met in my health and wellness journey, just other like family friends coming to me during the pandemic telling me, oh my gosh, I'm so stressed. I'm, I'm lost. I don't know what to do. Can you help me? I know you help with weight, but can you help me? And that's really why I then decided, you know what, this makes perfect sense. Lean into the years that you have had in the corporate sector that is so relatable to most people in the corporate world right now. Lean into that experience and your years of coaching and really help these people. So then I got my um, training in life coaching through HPC. I went through a very in 
intensive life coaching program uh, through High Performing Coach. And then uh, last year, I actually started on the mental fitness journey. So that's really what brought me here. I ended up going through like a free grant program Mm -hmm. with mental fitness, with positive intelligence, kind of got a taste of it, started using the principles in my own life, had such dramatic results, and then started using some of the principles with my clients. And it was life changing. So I'm like, okay, this is where I need to be. And that's what happened. (laughs) Yeah. I love, I love that you have this whole suite of tools, areas, Mm -hmm. whether it's mental, the physical, any other kind of coaching. It's just just like this one-stop shop of all these um, just supportive practices, tools, um, just support that people can get. So that's great. Mm -hmm. What was it out of curiosity? What was it that made you go into marketing uh, in school? I just, I don't know. I, I have an artistic side of the brain and I loved just creating concepts and doing presentations to help sell product. You know, I've always been an extrovert. So I just, I found that really fascinating and I thought I can do that. So it did kind of make sense that I went into retail, I guess, you know, because I had a lot of the skill sets for that. But yeah, and I, I liked the, that business part of it. So even though your, your career path was a bit of a zigzag, mm-hmm. um, does it make sense based on your childhood, how you grew up, how you were as a kid that you would end up here? Well, that's interesting that you bring that up. So I had overall, I had a very good childhood. Um, I had a mother, though, who was bipolar, which is very challenging. And at the time, you know, my parents were older. I'm adopted. They adopted me um, later in life because they couldn't have children. So and they were from the Depression era. And I guess mental illness had run in my mother's family. And her mother had, who I never met, my grandmother, my mother's side, had committed suicide. Didn't even, you know, really know that until later in life. And I guess it, it ran farther back. Her grandmother had issues. But at that time, I share all that because at that time, you know, in the 50s and 60s, you did not discuss mental illness. It's just like, suck it up. You feel sad. Oh, we all do deal with it. You know, no compassion or empathy for anything like that. And especially coming from a war that was incredibly devastating. And it's like, you don't have time for those kind of emotions. People are dying over there. What are you thinking? You know? So, you know, in my experience, um, my mother, she was either really positive, loving, wonderful, or she would shut me out. I mean, there was a period of, it was a couple weeks and I can't remember exactly what it was that set her off, but she didn't talk to me for two weeks. It was like, I didn't exist. And it was things like that, that was, you know, oh gosh, you know, so I developed like people pleasing tendencies. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. like, okay, we don't want to rock the boat here. We want to keep mother happy. So she doesn't just shut me out. And my dad was always like the intermediary. My, my dad and I were always really close. My mother and I weren't necessarily very close. We didn't have a lot in common. I loved her, you know, and I knew she loved me. So I don't want to paint such a a terrible picture of it was awful. It wasn't. I mean, I, they put me through school. I, I really was very fortunate in a lot of ways. But what I learned when I went through my intensive program with HPC is that it's okay to to feel kind of uncomfortable and upset the way I was treated by my mother. You know, it's it's confusing. And although she couldn't help it, you know, and I and I can't have this resentment for, mm-hmm. for her anymore, but it's okay to, to kind of feel like, wow, that's, that's not cool. Why did she do that? So I started to just kind of unpack a lot of stuff that I didn't realize had impacted my life. And I ended up discovering that I had a really big fear of success. (laughs) Sounds bizarre. I know, but I was really fearful of success. It's like, oh my gosh, can I even be successful? You know, what is life going to be like? Oh my gosh. You know, just it, it and it was silly, really not silly, but it so was is real. it, is it fear of not being able to achieve it or fear of what happens when I do kind of both kind of, it's both. kind of okay. both. 
So in some ways, it kind of borders on fear of failure, but at the same time, it's, oh my gosh, what can I handle this if I do get successful? When were you, you know? thinking like that? So this, I guess, happened for, I mean, this stemmed all from my relationship with my mother, which was kind of interesting. And like I said, I started to really recognize these things and how it, it moved into like in my direct selling, you know, mm -hmm. it's like I, I was successful, but I only got to a certain point and it, it was just this mental block that I had. So it was really eye opening. So when we say, you know, that our, our past and our upbringing can shape us, Oof. it really can shape us in a lot of different ways. So that is why now I can really recognize people who are in dysfunctional relationships with family members, with spouses, or just have that self-doubt themselves that might come across in the form of like procrastination. For example, it's like they put off doing something. Oh, I don't have time for that. No, it's really a fear. It's a fear of rejection, a fear of failure, a fear of success. So now I can really see that. So everything, I, again, I believe happens for a reason and it all just kind of leads you to where you are today. So, yeah, I believe the same. Like everything happens for a reason. Like it's pretty shitty sometimes when you're in the thick <laughs> of it, learning it as you're going. But at the end, it seems to all come together or towards the end or, you know, um, in your 30s or 40s, it all starts coming together, whatever it may be. Everybody's story is different, but uh, it's amazing how those lessons, even as as painful as they may be, serve some kind of purpose, you know, and it's so totally. hard seeing that when you're in the moment. Thank you for sharing that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I just, I think all of those things that happen, whether, like you said, at the time, it might be really difficult, they they do shape us and they make us stronger better people. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. Lisa, one question that I always have to ask or try to ask is what does leadership mean to you? What does leadership mean to me? Leadership? Well, here, let me define what I think an effective leader is. I think in a, a defective, a, a defect, <laughs> a defective, not a defective leader, <laughs> what an an effective leader is, <laughs> is somebody, if they are managing people, they allow the other people to shine. It's not about them. It's about meaning it's not about the leader. It's about their team. And really mm -hmm. leadership in any regards, whether you're just showing up as a leader in your community, it's other focused. It's not about yourself. Mm -hmm. I mean, yes, yourself comes into play, obviously, yeah, yeah. but it's not about that. You're, it's all self-seeking. It's other focused. So, yeah. you know, how can I help others? How can I support others? And, you know, when you manage people, really, in my opinion, you're only as good as your team hmm. and your team is really what's going to create or achieve what you aspire to because a one person show you can't do that most often it's yeah. it's difficult absolutely yeah. thank you for that so why don't we jump into the book can you give us uh, a general overview maybe a lead up to what the seed was that was planted that got you to write the book so this is kind of interesting i I had always enjoyed writing in college. I was had a creative writing class and I would write like ghost stories and like supernatural weird stuff. I don't know why I gravitated to that, <laughs> but <laughs> I like doing that. And so I've always enjoyed writing. And during the pandemic, I started blogging. I thought, well, this is a great way to build an audience, you know, and start sharing some of the things that I've learned. Well, I started developing a following. And just through the networking, like you were sharing at the beginning, how Edie, you know, connected us, um, I came in touch with a lot of people in the book space, in the publishing world. And just through virtual one-to-ones, I was talking to people and they said, have you ever thought about writing a book? You've got some really great content here. And, you know, you hear it once or twice and you're like, oh, thank you. That's so nice of you, you know? <laughs> and then the more it kept happening, I'm like, huh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Light bulb here. Okay. Yeah. I get it. 
So I then just reached out to some friends and family members. And I just said, you know, it's interesting. I'm getting this feedback. Overwhelming. Yes, you are great at writing. You're such a good writer. I wish I could write like you. I'm like, wow, where did this come from? And I thought, okay, I'm going to write a book. And I just put it out there. I had absolutely no idea how I was going to do it. I was, I was pretty scared, but I'm like, you know what? It's very clear that I meant to write a book. So I'm going to write a book and I've got a lot of information. So what I'm going to do is just kind of compile my blog post, expand on certain things, add other things. Mm -hmm. So I started vetting different types of publishers and I decided that I wanted to do a hybrid publisher mm -hmm. because I wanted to retain the full rights of my book. And I knew that trying to pitch a big publishing house, especially if it's a nonfiction book and it's your first book, you're not going to, nobody's going to pick it up. I mean, that's just reality. And honestly, that wasn't the purpose of me writing the book. I wanted to write the book to help people to open doors so that I could do speaking engagement, so that I could partner with organizations to help them create wellness programs for their employees that incorporate stress management. So that's really what I wanted the book for. So I ended up um, with a great hybrid publisher, um, Susan Friedman with Aviva Publishing out of New York. Mm -hmm. She was amazing. And she then connected me with my fabulous editors and graphic designers. I did have one of my um, best friends did the um, artwork. Oops, there we go. <laughs> so she did this beautiful artwork. She's a local artist. And she did an amazing job on that. So then I gave that to the graphic designer and I gave her my logo colors and then she created the, um, the cover. Awesome. But yeah, so that's really kind of how it came to fruition. And I published, well, I actually had the books for a book signing in September and then it went live on distribution on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, all, you know, in other main distribution channels um in november awesome so, yeah um so yeah the the book is broken up into i believe four sections mm -hmm. um getting started mindset emotional self-care physical self-care can you and yeah physical self-care is the last one can you just give a brief breakdown you don't have to go into all the sections but just um what your what your impetus was behind each section why because what i was saying to you before we started recording was that, that i liked the book because it it offered so many different areas mm -hmm. um i've read some burnout stuff here and there some self-care stuff here and there but there's something about your book that puts the chapters the chapters are nice and short but they're chock full of information exercises lists considerations questions so how did you go about, and I know it stemmed from your blog post, but what, what was your thought process behind each of the sections? Good question. So I wanted to start with a section, hence named Getting Started, to really help people <laughs> who, who are kind of at that crossroads and they're like, I know I need to do something, but I don't know what the heck, I, I how I even start. You know, I just, I don't even know. And thinking of like my clients who come to me and they're really stressed and they're nearing or at burnout and they've stopped dreaming and they can't create a vision for the future and they're just spinning their wheels their calendar is completely controlling them they they just are not in a good place so they really have to step back and kind of assess okay how do I start dreaming again? How do I create a vision? Because you have to have that vision. You have to have it. And that is very much in align with, you know, mindset. So it's really starting. That's the starting point. And I created a downloadable workbook that for anybody who purchases the book can um, download this workbook, which will actually help you create a vision statement that's in alignment with your passions or strengths and um, your, 
I just had a complete, oh, your core values. Hello, I should know that. Um, <laughs> those three things. And to start really thinking about that and then go into your why and how to develop sustainable goals. And then the next session is mindset. Because if your head's not in the game, it doesn't matter if you know what you need to do. If your head's not in the game, you will not be successful in any area of your life. So that's the next step. And then once you kind of have a handle on the whole mindset piece of it, then you can start focusing on, okay, how do I move my body? What do I put in my body? What are other things that impact my life, not just food and exercise? Mm. So that's, that's really the premise of the book. <laughs> yeah. And I just love that it's not, you think burnout, you think stress, you think, okay, do less work you know, be more efficient in how you work. Are you doing the right work? But this really steps behind all that um, to someone's energy, like their self-care, their emotional self-care. Um, I mean, if I could just comment on some of the areas that I found really valuable, they're all valuable. I'm not blowing smoke. They're all valuable. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I think what gets us tripped up is that I think sometimes the goals that we go for, the things that we do in life, you know, get in shape, do this, do that. It's kind of like someone else's script and we're, we're thinking, okay, everybody else is doing it. I must have to do it for myself. So, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll half-ass it and, and just get the job done. Um, but we had talked before we started recording about the why and how important that is. And I don't think, and I, I just, commented on something the other day about cliches and people and somebody had asked, you know, um, what do you think of cliches? What do you think when leaders use cliches and why is kind of one of those things that if used incorrectly, it does sound like a, a cliche. Like if you just say to somebody, do you know, your, or ask somebody, do you know your why? Know your why. But obviously you go much deeper than that. You give examples of what that looks like. You give examples of what it could look like. Um, but that is just so important. And I love the fact that you just brought up a couple minutes ago that people have forgotten kind of like their dreams. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Cause I find that with my, my leadership clients where when they do their best, when they move forward is when they stop compromising and just going by what they have to deliver for their job description, meaning they go back and they pick up their hopes, their dreams, what they wanted for themselves and kind of bring that forward, whether it's like a joyous wonder or, or, or dreaming. You know, I don't think we talk enough about dreaming and what that means and what we want for each other. I think a lot of us maybe just settle in where we are without really being proactive about what we want to move forward with. So I love the fact that you, you know, you you started off with getting started. Like this is what it looks like to get get it started. This has to be your foundation before we talk about emotional self-care, before we talk about physical health, uh, self-care, before we talk about your mindset, you got to understand why you're going into this journey, why you're practicing these things, getting ready for that day that you need it. Again, hopefully people are waiting until they're burning out to pick up the book. But I think that's so important that before you do the work, you have to do the work before the work. You have right. to think about your thinking and, and how you're setting yourself up. Again, your why, what, what is the foundation for the work that you're going to be doing? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a process. And I it just people, they don't want to do that. They want to skip to the end result. And that's why goals aren't sustainable. Yeah. I mean, basically. we, yeah, we all want, we're, we live yeah. in that era of instant gratification. I want to see the results now. You know, I love how under mindset, the, the section of mindset, you have control the noise. So it's mm -hmm. just blocking out all the bullshit. I love that social media is included in there because it's yep. just, it doesn't get you anything. It doesn't, you don't gain anything. And we're so dependent on it. We're so addicted to it that it's, it's taking energy away from what we should be doing for ourselves. Mm -hmm. That's so, so true. I, I appreciate that inclusion. Uh, under emotional self-care, I love that you included laugh out loud. I need a good laugh every day, even if it's at my own expense. Um, I love the fact that you included 10 ways to experience joy. Mm -hmm. Um, again, I think joy and happiness and fulfillment might be one, might be those areas where people think, um, the example of somebody else's fulfillment, joy, happiness that's what I need to do for myself to, for me to be happy. Um, you know, do people know what makes them happy? 
like really makes them happy. You know, my, my example always is like, if you did something and didn't share it on social media, would you be just as happy or could you live in that happiness? So I, I'm always curious whether or not people know what their true joy is or if they're living someone else's joy, you know, and we're all busy. We all have a lot going on, but I think the same way we spoke about dreaming, it's like, do you understand what brings you joy? Do you understand what brings you happiness? What makes you feel fulfilled? And I think people are, you know, we're on that hamster wheel where we're mm -hmm. pushing forward and we're pushing hard and we think that's going to get our reward, but we need, it's like, we need to slow down and use our energy correctly to get to what we really need instead. Absolutely. And the problem is too, is people look at joy and happiness as a destination. It's like, mm -hmm. well, when I lose X amount of weight, then I will be happy. Or when I get this new car or yes. earn this incentive trip or buy this and they attach it to things. And you don't get joy and happiness from that. I'm not saying those things aren't nice and that if you can't afford them and you choose to have them, that's okay. There's Absolutely. nothing wrong with that. But the problem is, is we put so much of our self-worth and what we feel, how we should, you know, we should feel about things on these things. And it's happiness and joy are not destinations. And they're not these big lofty things. They have to be things that we take for granted every single day. And, you know, a lot of it starts with just learning how to be grateful, to practice gratitude. And, you know, I can't tell you how many people I talk to and they're like, yeah, whatever. Gratitude, that's stupid. No, it's really not. Because what it does is it forces your brain to start thinking about the positive. And we have over 70,000 thoughts a day and they're all negative. <laughs> Most of them, 80%. They're not all negative. Yeah. It's like 80% longing negative. for something, desiring yes. something, wanting something, moving towards something, achieving something. Exactly. So it's all that negative emotions and we can shift that so that we're 20% focused on that and 80% in happiness and joy. And one of the ways that we can do that is by practicing gratitude. So, you know, if, if somebody's starting out and they're like, well, I don't know what to be thankful for. Okay. Be thankful that you have clean water to drink. Be thankful that you yeah. have a roof over your head, that you have central air and heat. You know, um, be thankful that you don't go hungry that you're literally not starving. I mean, mm -hmm. we joke and say, oh, I'm so starving. I haven't had anything to eat. No, you're not really starving. You might be really hungry, yeah. but you're not starving. You're not completely like emaciated from lack of nutritional foods, you know? So it, it's things like that. And then once we start getting in that habit of doing that, then we just start seeing everything in life that is it can bring you joy. Mm -hmm. And it could be, a flower, you know, if you like spring flowers, they're starting to come up in Texas or, you know, the sound of a bird or a beautiful sunrise or a sunset, you know, or you, something reminds you of a loved one who is no longer with us, but it just puts a smile on your face. That is joy. Yeah. So. Yeah. I've, I've said it before. We, we overcomplicate everything. You know what I mean? We're very simple, primal animals, and we're just living in this area and in this era where everything is just overcomplicated. Mm -hmm. Um, and I used to be one of those people, I'm like, gratitude, like, what is saying thanks? What is that really? What does that really do? That's so dumb. Yeah. Um, and then especially during the pandemic, I really realized what that was because I was having my own anxiety, um, even before the pandemic about the goal. What's mm -hmm. the goal? What's that going to look like? What is my success going to look like? Am I on the right path? Am I this? Am I that? Worried about that goal where just from reading certain things, having certain conversations, having certain things have happened to me, losses in my life, um, having you know my kids, building my family, like it, it, it shifts your mind like we overcomplicate things and it just simplified everything for me like i'm the i'm the kid of immigrants and by all accounts of what my parents wanted when they came to this country i'm successful 
mm-hmm. house in the suburbs, don't need to work paycheck to paycheck, you know, don't have to work multiple jobs like my family, uh, my like my dad did and my mom did sometimes. Um, just little things like that. It's like, Jesus, it's like, stop. Like yeah. you're looking forward, but you're not taking stock of what you have. Um, so that's, so uh, all that to say that I went from saying, what is, what is saying thanks? What does that really do for you to really taking stock, assessing what I'm surrounded by and who I'm surrounded by, what it means to me. So, um, yeah, it's, it's powerful just to kind of slow down and just be thankful for what you have. Uh, a, a guest that I interviewed a few weeks ago, she has a gratitude journal that's geared towards children. So I'm doing that with my son now. Oh, and one of, the, one of the very first, um, which it ties in because it's like, okay, how do we teach our kids these kind of tools? But it ties into that gratitude, Lisa, where I think one of the first sections really is looking around and being thankful for, you know, this pencil, this piece of paper, this flower that I see in the yard, the sun coming up that we're not, you know, you can go to your fridge and, and pick out anything you want to eat, those kind of things. So I appreciate the fact that you bring up gratitude because I think um, we don't slow down enough to really take stock of what we really have. Mm-hmm. The simple things. Again, we're simple creatures. Yep. We're, we're meant to like hunt, gather, fight and, and all this other bullshit. But this world that we live in now is just so much more complicated than our, our little brains really need. So when we have shelter, when we have food, when we have security, that's a good fucking life lived, you know? Absolutely. Everything else is just bullshit or bonus, what I call bonus or bullshit. Everything else is what we can design and what we can decide to do. So I appreciate that. Um, You just share all about just gratitude and what it means to building the life that you want. Absolutely. And enjoy the journey too, which Mm. it ties very beautifully into what you were just sharing is so and I'm going to add in a little mental fitness piece of it. So, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. So mental fitness, um, just for those who don't understand what it is, it's basically the study of how all of our negative emotions um, bubble up from the left side of our brain, anger, shame, blame, stress, anxiety, overwhelm. And when you're mentally fit, you're able to quiet those negative emotions and shift to the positive right brain. And when you are in the positive right brain, you have clear headed focus, you're peaceful, you have calm, you can see the big picture, you have great communication, you have optimal health. So going back to enjoying the journey. And you had said this, I think you'd said something about this earlier about kind of that hyper achiever tendency, always focused on the goal, the next goal, the next goal. Oh, you know, doing that. Well, that is in the positive intelligence space. That's considered a saboteur. Um, It's, you know, it's a tendency or a character trait that certain ones of us, myself included, have. And we don't enjoy the journey and the successes that we have because we're so focused on the next thing that Mm. is going to happen. And that is such a shame. So, you know, hyperachiever can be successful, but they're never happy. Because they're always looking about how can they better themselves? How can they get to this next level? And if we would just stop and appreciate where we are in the journey and for how many great things that we have, Mm -hmm. our life will totally change. And I have really started to kind of embrace this because I'll admit scaling a business, as you know, it it can be stressful. And Mm -hmm. I'm at the point now where I'm having to hire people, which is great, but it's also kind of stressful because it's like, okay, gosh, am I going to get enough income consistently so that I can pay these people? You know, so it's a, it's a little stressful, but in a good stressful way. And, you know, it's easy to let your brain just kind of sabotage and just say, oh my gosh, you know, this is, this is scary, blah, 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 whatever. Well, I'm getting everything that I asked for, you know, I wanted this and I'm getting that. And this is so exciting, you know, so embrace the journey of where you are, embrace the opportunities that you have and let go of all that other mind trash 
you know, I'm not going to say that challenges are going to go away. They're not. It's life. You know, we're always going to have challenges. But the thing is, when we're looking at life through our positive right side of our brain, we can look at that challenge and either see the gift and opportunity in it, or we can just shift to a different focus altogether. And, you know, that's, that's pretty awesome when you can get to that point, because there's, there's truly a gift and opportunity in just about everything. Yeah. You just covered so much ground. I'm trying to <laughs> remember the, the working out as somebody that's always suffered from anxiety that was thrown to a different level because of that constant look to the future. What am I going to be like? My parents came to this country. This is how hard they worked. What, you know, am I going to deliver on what they need? Meanwhile, as long as I'm happy, they're happy. Um, but in working out, it's amazing how I, in, in talking about anxiety with one of my other guests, I told her for me, it just felt like energy that I needed to burn off. Mm -hmm. Um, so when, and obviously there's science behind it, but it, it's amazing where I may have anxiety and the need, and I've learned this about myself and the anxiety is because there's a need for something intellectual, physical, emotional, spiritual, and there's this energy that I need to get out of myself. So it resonated when you said, you know, when you're done with that workout, you're, you're, you're clear minded, you're level headed, you, you, you think more with your positive just because all that negative energy you're, you, you're getting out of yourself. If you think about what our bodies were programmed, our primitive bodies, like always being on the move, always being on the hunt, always looking for a threat. Now we don't have all that stuff that we need to deal with. So like for me, that workout is getting all that energy out that I don't have to worry about the threats, the dangers and whatnot. In any case, jumping to what you said about the goals versus the path. I mean, that's that's also lessened my anxiety because now I'm living more in the moment. Now I'm designing moments with you, with Edie, like conversations, building, connecting, designing what I want. Um, and that's so much more enjoyable because I'm finding that joy in the everyday, having conversations like this, having conversations with Edie. You know, soon she's going to be on the on this podcast with me as well. Uh, so it's amazing when you shift from that long-term goal to what am I doing in the everyday? Mm -hmm. You know, I want to make everyday count in some small way. It's not like I have to, you know, uh, build the Titanic or anything like that <laughs> one day, but you know, what is it that I'm, that makes every day a little win? So, um, again, there were just so many great nuggets of information that you provided. So I appreciate that. Thank you. Lisa, something I always ask the authors that I interview uh, I'm curious in writing the book, what, what did you learn? Ooh. Meaning did your, did your ideas of, I know you took most of these from blog posts. Mm -hmm. Did your ideas shift in the writing process? I know you had to expand, but what did you learn about maybe the writing process? What did you learn about the material you were, you were covering? What did you learn yourself? How did you evolve? What did you take away from the writing process? Oh, that's a great question. So many things. It was such a huge learning curve. Um, one of the things that just stands out uh, right now is we write very differently in a different voice than how we speak. And you want to try to blend the two. Mm. But to to write the way you speak grammatically does not read well <laughs> yeah oh yeah 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 true 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 absolutely but no. you want Case to maintain what I just your said. voice um yeah. so you know my my editor um jane is she's amazing she was able to really clean up i mean fortunately you know i'm, I'm a decent writer so she didn't have to you know, write a lot of content on my behalf, but she did have to clean it up. Um, yeah, and yeah. she maintained my voice, which I love because I know a lot of authors out there and they might have a good editor, but the editor changes it into yeah, their voice yeah. and then they totally kind of lose their audience. And I think that's, it's so important to maintain your voice and also to, like I said, to, to blend kind of like your, your speaking voice and your, your actual written voice, which is kind of interesting, but there's so many parts to a book too. I mean, I, this is how naive I was. Okay. So I knew that, 
Yeah, you have to have an editor, clearly, because <laughs> you just can't throw something out there. I mean, you could, but it's going to be yeah. crap. So you need a good editor. And then, yeah, you need somebody to design your cover. That was it. That's what I thought. Didn't even yeah. think anything else. Oh, my gosh. There's like all kinds of editors. There could be a writer, like a ghost writer. There could be a content editor. There could just be a plain editor. There could be a copy editor who's mm -hmm. like kind of does the final edits of it and then there's you know people like i said i had somebody who actually did the artwork for for mine but then there's also your graphic designer and then there's a layout designer that actually designs the inside of the book that just did not even register to me and, and working <laughs> with yale was was interesting because she's like well have you thought about numbering what do you want to start numbering i'm like no I, I don't know. <laughs> you know, do you want, how do you want the, the bottom of the pages to look? Do you want a line? Do you want, what kind of font do you want? What, you know, it's all this kind of things. And then, so then you start looking at other books and, okay, so do you like the way they flow? Do you like the way that they're laid out? You know, really, do you want this to be an easy book to read? And I did. I mean, I wanted it to be written at like a fifth, to sixth grade reading level. I didn't want it to be really highbrow, you know, where people who had to have a PhD or higher. Plus, you know what? I don't write that way anyways. <laughs> so. No, you know what? I, I thought it was, I thought it was great. I'm not just bringing this up because you brought it up. I'm not just coming up with this on the fly because you just mentioned it. I don't know what, just, I guess from reading so many books, like I'm very attuned to the editing. Mm -hmm. like some books you get and it's just kind of like what is going on here like i don't understand <laughs> like this is you know this is what lisa was talking about like when somebody just puts it together and puts it out there like you, you get a newfound respect for the editing profession um but yeah only because you brought it up the editing like it, it's there's something about the book it just reads very cleanly i don't i i just i don't have the words to describe it but just from reading so many different books i love and I, I, I made a note to ask you, like, what what the editing was like, because it was that clear. It was that uh, succinct. It was that um, I don't know. I don't know the best way to describe it because I've never just I've never described editing, com you know, compared from one book to the next. But I love the way that it was edited. Yeah, Jane is great. Jane Malucci. She's in the Boston area. Uh, highly recommend her again. She was uh, referred to me by my. Uh, publisher, but she uh, great to work with, and you know would ask good questions. I mean, a good a good editor is going to ask you questions as well. It's like what? So what were you kind of thinking here? I mean, you can you can get the gist obviously by reading it, but so tell me, you know, what kind of words do you use? And it, there was only two words. And I don't even remember what those words were at this point, but I remember when reading the edits and I saw this one word, I'm like, I would never say that. <laughs> so yeah. I, I changed it to something else. And I just said, Jane, I love all these edits, but I would never, ever use that word. And she started cracking up and she's like, thank you. That's what I needed to hear because I want it to be your voice. And Absolutely. it was, she did an, an amazing job. So you don't remember what the word was? Oh, I wish I could. It'll, I it'll come it to you later. So, I wish I could. I'm just having a complete blank on what it is. It was like so Lisa, something I can't remember. <laughs> that's all right. That's all right. You, you'll think of it later. Just send yeah. me, shoot me a note or something. So what do you think is next for your writing? Have you thought that far ahead or are you still kind of? Yes, I have. Um, I definitely want to get some longevity on this book. So I don't anticipate publishing anything for at least another year. Um, but I have been asking feedback from people, you know, and, and I've been very blessed that the response on the book has been really positive. The, and I've had the same feedback from a couple people. They said, wanted to hear more stories, like more client stories mm -hmm. or more of your personal stories. It's like, yes, you do share them, mm -hmm. but they're secondary there. The book is more practical tips. And that is true. And that's exactly what I intended for this book. So it came, it, it completed exactly how I wanted it to. And I'm very pleased with that. But it gave me an idea for the next one that I could do a book that, yes, would include 
you know, some practical tips, but it's all based on stories. Mm -hmm. So each chapter would be like a different story. Yes. Um, An author that I think is amazing, um, motivational, he's a Christian author, Bob Goff. I don't know if you've read any of his, his books, Dream Big, Um, but that's how he writes. And I was just so in awe of like the stories. He, he told some great stories about, you know, him and his son or him and his wife or some of his clients. And it was just, it was great. And they were just easy to read short stories, but it all had like a common thread. And I'm like, you know, I need to start jotting down these stories as I remember them because that will be, you know, my next, my next book. Yeah. I mean, even if it were something, even if it wasn't a a whole new series, but something like a supplement to this book Mm -hmm. where like chapter by chapter people could tie, okay, this is the practical book that gives the lessons. And then you had like a second book that had like maybe the same chapters, but just with stories to, to paint the the vision of what those things look like. I'm, I'm excited to, to see what you come up with just because obviously we all know the power of stories. You put yourself a lot in here, what you experienced in your burnout and your retail career, the ups and downs of getting to now. So it's just powerful to put those stories out there. Thank you. Yeah. I think stories are relatable to people. Yeah. And I mean, you're not going to be relatable to everybody. And I don't claim to be, I don't try to be, but you know, you're, when you are authentic and put like a genuine story out there, you're going to attract the right people who need to read that book. And I mean, it's, it's good to have those stories because, okay, if I see a story that I can relate to, that's amazing. Great. It gives me the idea that somebody has gone through it because one of our biggest pitfalls is that sensation that we're the only ones that anything may happen to. But we we hear of other people's experiences. At the same time, if I read somebody's experience that's nothing like mine, it gives me some perspective. It gives me some education of who else is out there, what else is happening, what's what could possibly happen. So there's a good uh, just variety of, of stories out there, even if you can relate to them or not. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um, what lessons do you hope people take away from this book? Like if you could, if you could kind of sell this to somebody who doesn't think maybe they need it, what would you share with them about the lessons in this book to kind of sell them on the concept that they should keep, you know, burnout in mind and how to avoid it uh, as a, as a, as a tool, as a preparation tool to avoid that? I think to look at the book as you're not going to resonate with every single chapter. And that's okay. I mean, I'm not going to say there aren't some people that are like, wow, yeah, man, there's so many different things in here. But the thing is, it it would be too much to try to implement that. So the whole purpose of the reflection questions at the end of each chapter was to really identify some pain points that maybe didn't come to mind readily. And that after reading something, they're like, oh, okay, I guess that is something that I could work on. So really taking the time to answer those reflection questions and for the sections that don't pertain to them necessarily, fine, skip over it. But, you know, pick like one or two things in here to implement and they're, they're not, they don't have to be huge. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I say in the book, you know, it's, it's baby steps. The key to habit formation is small, tiny action steps. So take a small step, be kind to yourself. You know, if you have a crappy day or a crappy week, you know what life happens. It is what it is. Don't beat yourself up. Don't continue down that self-deprecating path that, oh, I can never do this. And yes, you can. And, you know, just pick a couple things. That's what I, that's what I would say. Yeah. And it's one of these things where it is like a manual where you don't have to read it from cover to cover. No. You know, I did, but just because I wanted to see what you had in there. But um, anybody can pick it up for reference later. And I mean, touch the, touch the areas that you can relate to right away from the, from the table of contents, um, and just jump back and forth. I mean, everybody has different needs, whether it's the physical, whether, whether it's the emotional, whether it's the mindset, there's probably certain areas that they want to focus on first, but everything is there. Yeah. It's just, mm-hmm. it really is a manual. You open up that table of contents, look for what you, what you need 
at any given moment. Obviously, hopefully prepare, not wait till it's actually needed, but right. um, they're all tools and they're amazing tools, Lisa. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Uh, in wrapping up, is there anything else that you want to share, Lisa, whether it's your website or anything else that you may have coming up that you want to share with the audience? So my website, um, you can read more about the book um, on the website. And if you do purchase the book um, to message me and you can do that, uh, you can email me or you can just message me through my website. That's probably the easiest. Um, and just say that you purchased the book and I will send you the downloadable workbook because it is a really great exercise, especially if you are looking at making some kind of life transition, um, you know, that is in alignment with your core values, your passions and the strengths and core values can be really intimidating for people. Sometimes they're like, I don't know what's a core value, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. So it's kind of gets, get you thinking about that. And then my website also uh, shows some of my speaking engagements. So, you know, if you're watching this and thinking, Oh yeah, we need a breakout speaker for something. Well, you can see my TEDx is on there as well, which actually walks the audience through a mental fitness exercise um, yeah, so there's lots of information on my website and I go a little more into my story. So awesome. Yeah. yeah I love, I love just, I'm all about tools. So I love that you provide that in the book on your website. Um, and that, that it's a part of that. It really is a toolkit of, of just exercises that people can use. So I appreciate all everything that you're doing. I think people need that more now than ever. Thank you. I know it's stress and burnout are not going away, even though we're coming out of, we're not completely past it, but we are in a lot of ways, COVID, um, you know, it's not going away. If anything, it, it's become more prevalent because people are, you know, change is hard and we're trying yeah. to come back and you can't go back to the way things were pre-COVID. Yeah. It's, it won't work. Um, but there has to be some kind of like new Mm -hmm. world way of doing things. And that's hard to do, you know, for a lot of people, change is really, really hard and being able to adapt to things like that, you know, there's fear, there's, it's, it's difficult. Yeah. It's not like March, 2020, the start of March, 2020, when we thought we were all going to go home for two weeks and then we were going to come back out in April, maybe to the same world. I mean, yeah. just thinking that we're coming up on three years of this is just <sighs> insane, but there is something to be said where, yeah, you're not coming back into the same world. I mean, some people may go back to their same lives, same lessons or lessons not learned. Others will take some lessons away from the pandemic. We'll see what happens. Yes, I, I know for me, and I'm not trying to negate the pandemic in any way as far as, oh, it was yeah, over, over, you know, yeah, people yeah. just overreacted. No, it was devastating. And a lot of people died. And it was it was difficult. For me personally, from a personal development standpoint, it was one of the best things that could have happened. It really was. Yeah. And it, it's, it's, it's helped me to better serve others because I have done a lot of personal growth and development mm. and self-reflection and, you know, the book. I don't know if I would have been able to do the book had COVID not happened. You know, I don't know. Yeah, as terrible as it was, there were some silver linings. Mm -hmm. um, some of us got better and just learned about ourselves. Um, yeah, I can only imagine the infinite number of stories that are out there of just journeys that people took along um, these couple of years of the pandemic. But, mm -hmm. you know, we know our stories and we can share them. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, Lisa, thank you so much for sitting down with me to discuss your book. Again, the thank book you. is From Burnout to Best Life, How to Take Charge of Your Health and Happiness. I really appreciate it. I love that I now have this on the stack. Uh, <laughs> it's such a great tool. So I appreciate it. Thank you, Lisa. Uh, thanks so much, Don. I appreciate it as well. As for anybody watching and listening, if there's anything that I might have missed that I should have asked Lisa, we're limited on time, even though I've had her for like an hour and 10 minutes now. Please let me know. Reach out. I'll share with her. See if there's anything that she can share based on any questions I might get. So in the meantime, until the next episode, thank you for watching and listening and I'll talk to you soon. Take care. Bye. Thanks. Bye.